We need to be careful with following the world's ways. We need to be careful when we are being enticed to follow idolatry, paganism, and ultimately the devil's ways. Rather than adopting the world's system, we need to uphold in our own personal lives God's ways, God's desire. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be looking at the incident of Peor. God has good reasons for everything He does, no matter how incomprehensible certain things may seem to us. We may not always understand why God does certain things at a given moment, but we need to just sometimes accept on faith that He knows what He's doing and that He has compelling reasons for everything. That is why it is in our best interest to trust God and do as He says, and in particular, be very careful with toxic relationships because not everyone has good intentions. Today's message is inspired in the book of Numbers, chapter 31, verses 1 to 24. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, Lord, I give you thanks. Blessed be your name, O God, for you are above all things. And Lord God, your love exceeds everything that we can understand. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as always that you may please forgive my sins. Lord God, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, O Lord, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love through Him. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that we live still during a time of grace. Heavenly Father, that you have done away with the law, not because it was something bad, but because you developed something greater, Lord God. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for the salvation and the forgiveness of sins that we have through your Son. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you help us to learn from the past and to be able to take that, Lord God, and to apply it in our lives because everything in your word from beginning to end is of blessing and of teaching to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Numbers, chapter 31, verses 1 to 24. This is the word of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm some of yourselves for war, and let them go against the Midianites to take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to the war. So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel one thousand from each tribe, 12,000 armed for war. Then Moses sent to them to the war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to the war with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi, Rechem, Sur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. Balaam, the son of Beor, they also killed with the sword. And the children of Israel took the woman of Midian captive, 
with their little ones and took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks and all their goods. They also burned with fire all the cities where they dwelt and all their forts. And they took all the spoil and all the booty of man and beast. Then they brought the captives, the booty and the spoil to Moses, to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the children of Israel, to the camp in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across Jericho. And Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds who had come from battle. And Moses said to them, Have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord and the incident of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known a man intimately. But keep alive for yourselves all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. And as for you, remain outside the camp seven days. Whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. Purify every garment everything made of leather, everything woven of goat's hair, and everything made of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men of war who had gone to battle, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire, and it shall be clean, and it shall be purified with the water of purification. But all that cannot endure fire, you shall put through water, and you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean, and afterward you may come into the camp. In today's passage, we saw a different facet to the God of the New Testament. We saw here a so-called harsh, condemning, and or unmerciful God that many feel that he was before the coming of the Lord. But behind every story, there are explanations not that God needs to explain himself to us because he is sovereign and the almighty God of the universe. This is something that also many find hard to accept, and that is God's sovereignty. He doesn't need to explain himself. He owes us nothing. Actually, quite the contrary. Whether we want to believe it or not, whether we want to accept it or not, we owe him everything. And at some point, that will become quite evident to every living being that has ever existed. But despite all of that, and as we said before, God does have his reasons, and we should look to understand his reasons for our own good. This is something that most people miss because the reality of God is distorted in their hearts and minds that God is immovable and unshakable. He has always been, and he will always be, and there is nothing that can change that. It is in our best interest to understand that and that we are the ones that have everything to lose if we don't look for him, if we don't seek for his forgiveness and redemption, if we ultimately don't look to do as he tells us to do. Having said that, let's look at the background of this story so we can understand why God had told Moses to do what he told him to do. To be able to see where the problem initiated, we need to go a little further back in time. If we go back to Numbers chapter 22, we can see where the problem started. This is what the first few verses tell us in this chapter. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan across from Jericho. 
Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people, because there were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us, as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Sippor was king of the Moabites at that time. And he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. And so Moab and their ruler Balak had a big problem with Israel. It was a problem that was fabricated in their hearts. It was an unjust problem. Israel had done no harm to him or to his people. Yet he wanted a curse to be placed on the people of Israel because Moab was exceedingly afraid of Israel. The people of Moab, led by Balak, had thought that Israel would come to destroy them and to consume all of their resources. Fear had led him to this belief, and again, nothing was done to them. That is why he sent for Balaam, the prophet, to ask him to curse Israel, so that Israel would ultimately disappear and or go away from them somehow. And probably the way they wanted it was for God to destroy them entirely. Ultimately, this cursing of Israel was completely unjustified. If we look at Numbers 23, we see that Balak insists to Balaam to curse Israel. And he insists many times, and Balak even tried to buy Balaam's services, if you will. This is one of the things that displeased God with Balaam, that he became weak and started following along Balak because he did have an interest in receiving a reward for his services. He almost fell into the temptation of taking Balak's offer and cursing Israel. But despite all of that, Balaam did not curse Israel. Even though he was weak before Balak and his offer, he still does not curse Israel. But actually, quite the contrary. Balaam blesses Israel because he finally obeys the voice of the Lord and does his job as a prophet of God. Now, Balak is not happy about this because Balaam finally goes against his evil intentions towards Israel. This is what we read. Then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. But this is how Balaam responds to Balak's insistence. So he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? And this time around, God gave a message to Balak. As it is written, Then the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go back to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he came to him, and there was standing by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab were with him. And Balak said to him, What has the Lord spoken? And he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Sippor. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received the command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. 
and the shout of a king is among them. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. For there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Then Balak said to Balaam, Neither cursed him at all, nor blessed him at all. So Balaam answered and said to Balak, Did I not tell you, saying, All that the Lord speaks, that I must do? And in chapter 24, we read this, Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as other times to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Then he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you and curses he who curses you. Then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies. And look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. Now, therefore, flee to your place. I said I would greatly honor you, but in fact, the Lord has kept you back from honor. So Balaam said to Balak, Did I not also speak to your messengers whom you sent to me, saying, If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord to do good or bad of my own will. But the Lord says, that I must speak. And now, indeed, I am going to my people. Come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. So he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open, I see him, but now I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. So what finally winds up happening? God makes Balaam prophesy not only to bless Israel, but he announces that the Messiah would come from them, that a star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Here's where we see God's good intentions with Israel. He has an ultimate plan with Israel. Now, after seeing all of this, where does this incident at Peor take place where God's anger is aroused with Balak's people, with the people of Moab? We need to look at chapter 25 to see the answer where we read the following. 
Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. God's anger was kindled because the people of Israel were joined with the woman of Moab and thereby gave in to idol worship. They served Baal. Many of the people of Israel betrayed the Lord with their worship of Baal. How unfair is it that God had done magnificent things for Israel and unmeritedly, and he had even blessed them and protected them from these people that only wanted their destruction. Despite this, rather than taking distance from their enemies, many of the people joined themselves with them and went and followed and served the Lord's enemy, Baal, or more clearly Satan, because Baal was known as the prince of the earth. How does this make sense? Why would people that owed so much to God would turn and worship God's direct enemy and the one that wanted their destruction? It doesn't make sense. It's completely unfair to the Lord. And so, could we even blame the Lord for being harsh or condemning as some make him out to be? If there's any kind of logic or understanding or even human reason, a person should be able to understand what happened and that God is completely justified in his anger, in his anger towards Moab for following the devil and being instrumental in leading Israel to turn against the Lord and also in his anger against Israel and how they turned against him and betrayed his goodness and mercy and grace. God had freed them from Egypt miraculously, from the grip of the devil through Pharaoh. The devil had enslaved Israel through Egypt. The devil had caused for their lives to be miserable and tormented for centuries. Much of Israel's blood had built the pyramids we see today. Why go serve the devil? This was at the root of God's anger. Fortunate for Israel, not everyone had followed down the dark path. Not everyone had turned to Baal. And they were able to find God's favor again because there were some that did have God's zeal, like the zeal of Phineas, like we just read. And because of this zeal, God blesses him and turns from his anger. Numbers chapter 25, verse 10 to 13 says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. So now 
we're living in different times. God, through Jesus Christ, is dispensing his grace. We're not called to kill people now that serve the devil. And quite frankly, blessed be the Lord for this because this world would be utter chaos. He is God and he knows when things needed to change. God teaches us through this word the following. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're ultimately called to be like Jesus, to do as he did. The reason for why things were the way they were back then and the way they are now is that people were irredeemable back then. They were unable to turn away from their evil ways and they served the devil directly. They were dead set in their ways and there was nothing that would turn them away from their evil ways. During Jesus' time, many people were becoming redeemable as we saw through their conversions to the Lord. But people will become irredeemable again until the fullness of the Gentiles is fulfilled. What does that mean? That there will come a time when those people that do not descend from Israel, which is most of us in the world, will stop listening to the gospel and there will be no more conversions to the Lord. In Romans chapter 11, it says, For I do not desire, brethren, they should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. This is starting to happen. Many people in the world already know about Jesus Christ, about God's truth, but are refusing to follow him because they are more focused on following their own sin, looking to fulfill more of their own evil desires, even those that are within Christ's so-called church. Most of the people in the world are now desirous to follow evil, and many even directly worship evil knowingly, despite knowing about God's love and the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so similar to Israel's time back then, we really need to be careful with our relationships, with getting close to people that can lure us away from the Lord. James chapter 4, verse 4 tells us this, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The Bible warns us even further through this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 where it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has the righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so, are we supposed to just shut ourselves from the world and avoid all contact? No. We are to follow God's counsel and for us to become influencers for good and not for us to turn to people's evil ways. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19 to 20 tells us this, Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you 
but you must not return to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. Just like Jesus, if we have come to have faith in him, we are to help others that still want to listen to come to his truth, to his deliverance, to his salvation. We need to help people understand that the devil in the world's ways just simply bring about their own destruction and that following sin will only bring about eternal death and that there is only truth, life, and eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. God wants to bring salvation to the world. That's the whole reason for sending His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross so that our sins could be washed away, forgiven, so we could start living a new life, to break with our destiny and to make us free to do those things that perpetuate life. This incident of Peor that we read about is something that can happen to believers if they're not careful with their relationships. We need to be careful with following the world's ways. We need to be careful when we are being enticed to follow idolatry, paganism, and ultimately the devil's ways. Rather than adopting the world's system, we need to uphold in our own personal lives God's ways, God's desire. And why should that be important? Because there is no life in anything else, no matter how attractive it may seem. Just because something is alluring and pleasing at the moment does not mean that it will be good for us. That is ultimately sin's trap. It all seems fine and good at first, and like there are no repercussions for our wrongful actions, but everything has consequences. And another thing that we really need to be careful with, the devil disguises evil. He typically tries to make evil seem good and acceptable and fulfilling. That is the trap. And we will try to use people that seem completely harmless so that you will let your guard down. He makes sin sound reasonable. Proverbs chapter 14 gives us this warning. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. We can never go by what seems right, no matter how much other people that do not fear and follow the Lord entice us to follow along. It is not in our best interest to just go by what crowds are doing. For your own good, you need to be sure that the ways that you are adopting are in fact the Lord's ways so that you can stay away from certain death and destruction. Never be fooled. The devil only wants to destroy you and everything good that God wants for your life. There is no such thing as being friends with the devil and inheriting God's kingdom at the same time. Be very careful who you listen to and what they make you do because that could mean death and eternal perdition for you and for those that surround you. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to understand what is right and wrong. Help us, O Lord, to understand, Lord God, that we need to follow your ways, that we need to take to heart your word, your direction, your guidance. 
Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be careful with bad influences, with people that can be toxic to our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to be careful with the subtleties of the devil and of the world. Help us to understand that the world is only darkness and evil. And Heavenly Father, that it is under the influence of Satan. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be able to take your word in, to make it part of our lives, Heavenly Father. Help us to understand that only you are the one that has good for us. Only you have good intentions for every person, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, that when we don't understand why certain things happen, help us to know how to trust you, to know that you are Lord, that you are God, and that everything has a reason and a good reason. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, that we may value everything that you have done for us and to never turn against you, Lord God no matter how appealing anything else may seem. I give you thanks and I praise you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I give you thanks, O Lord, because through him, you give us forgiveness of sins and you give us eternal life. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. I praise you and I worship, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.